Good Sunday morning and welcome to the latest edition of Sharing the Victory, a program sponsored by the West Virginia University chapter of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And it is the Christmas season. Unbelievable. Another Christmas has come and gone. And within a week, another year will have come and gone. The time just flies. And uh, we'll get philosophical about that if time permits. But we're joined by WVU FCA campus director Kirby Myers and Kirby. Good morning. Thanks. Good morning. Uh, Belated Merry Christmas by one day. Mm -hmm. By one day, but you know what, Chris? At at for Christians, the spirit of Christmas and what it truly means lives with us and lives in our hearts. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. Very true. Very true. I mean, you've got landmarks. You've got Christmas. You've got Easter. Mm. But you. You keep that right. You yeah. guard that in your heart. What it what it truly means. Yeah, he's Jesus is the reason for every season, for every day, right? Yeah, that's very good. All right, we're uh, we're going to Sunday school one day after Christmas. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas season. Happy New Year. I hope you all enjoyed worshiping the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, today, I want to look at a verse that you probably heard over this Christmas season, or you've seen it. On a Christmas card that's come to your house, or maybe it was on the Christmas card that you sent out, um, either in the mail or by email. But it's a familiar verse, Isaiah 9, 6, that says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. One of the greatest thrills, I think, as a parent, as a father, is to call your child by name for the very first time. I remember the two times we were expecting and and then finding out we were having a boy each time and then thinking about what we were going to name our little boy. And so uh, my firstborn is Jonathan, my middle child is Matthew, and then we adopted Andre. And so you think about that and, and naming your children, but as we think back to Mary and Joseph again, they did not get that opportunity to pick out a name for their son. We looked at this last time, but the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and instructed him to name his son Jesus. And we know that that name had great significance because the Bible tells us so. In Matthew one twenty one, the verse we looked at together last time, we read that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And then in Matthew one twenty three, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The name of Christ, Emmanuel, we, we sing about that name. If you are over 40, I can say to you, pick up a hymnal sometime and you will know what I, I'm talking about. If you're 20 or under, you may go, what is a hymnal? But in, in a hymnal, we see songs like, praise the name of Jesus, Jesus is the sweetest name I know, all hail the power of Jesus' name, his name is wonderful, there's something about that name. If you're younger or just a little more uh, con- uh, contemporary in your music, Maybe you're familiar with the song that we sing now, What a Beautiful Name, and that is a really beautiful song. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. 
Philippians 2, 9 to 10, Paul says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I love the word, how the word name just keeps appearing there, that he says, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Well, we find out a lot about the baby in the manger by a simple study of his name. We can learn more about the Savior, Jesus Christ, when we look at the meaning of his name, and that is what we want to do with our time this morning. Again, Isaiah 9-6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Just a little background on Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet, and he ministered as a prophet to Judah from about 740 to 680 B.C., So this book was written some 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. We know from the Gospels and from history that this indeed took place. Isaiah, in what is probably the most well-known prophecy of the birth of Christ here, gives us four descriptions of the coming Messiah, and we want to look at each of these in detail today. But before we do that, Let's look at what Isaiah says before this. Isaiah first prophesies of, uh, prophesies of the coming Messiah in chapter 7, verse 14, which reads, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Here in Isaiah 9, 6, we learn about this coming prophet, priest, and king, before Isaiah gives us the four names to describe him. In verse 6, at the beginning, it says, For a child will be born to us. And here we see Jesus as human, as the Son of Man. This phrase used by Isaiah the prophet, emphasizing his humanity, even though it is a term for deity. Although he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin, Jesus began life like any other human, as an infant. Isaiah says nothing more here about his humanity, but we know from the Gospels that Jesus lived an earthly life. The Gospel of Luke focuses much on the humanity of Christ. We read about his birth. We read about him in the temple at the age of 12, where he is amazing, Uh, the scribes and teachers of the law in the temple. We read of the beginning of his ministry at the age of 30 that lasted for three years. Jesus was a child who became a man. He experienced hunger in the wilderness. He was tired and fell asleep on a boat in the middle of a great storm. He was thirsty on the cross. He felt great sadness at the death of Lazarus. He was angry at the temple at the money changers. He was grieved by the betrayal of Judas, one of his own disciples and friends, and he felt forsaken on the cross at the hands of his own father. Jesus was born 
as a baby. He grew up as a little boy. He eventually became a man and one who was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet one major difference. He was without sin. Jesus did not sin, but he identified with and felt the weight of our sin when he was on the cross. The next phrase that Isaiah uses here, he says, a son will be given to us. And here we see Jesus as the son of God. Isaiah goes from the word born to the word given. This terminology used by the prophet speaks of his pre-existent deity that we've looked at together in the Gospel of John. Isaiah looked ahead, but we are able to look back and know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. We know the full truth of what Isaiah simply suggests 700 years before his birth, that the one who would come was one who has always been. The coming Messiah existed before his human birth, and he would be given to the world by God the Father. Back in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7, it says, Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. The next phrase from Isaiah says, And the government will rest on his shoulders. And here we see Jesus as the king of kings. The first two phrases are prophecies that have already been fulfilled. This one, however, is still to come. This prophecy looks beyond the first Christmas to a time in the future when Christ will reign over a literal, earthly, and geopolitical kingdom that encompasses all the kingdoms and all the governments of the world. That will be exciting. Zechariah, another prophet, says in chapter 14, verse 9, And the Lord will be king over all the earth. In that day the Lord will be the only one, and his name the only one. There it is again about his name. One day this Christ, who left the glory in heaven to be born of a woman, who lived a perfect life and died a perfect death, an atoning death, and was raised from the dead for our sins, he will come a second time and he will rule. Isaiah says the government will rest on his shoulders as he will reign as sovereign over a worldwide kingdom of righteousness and peace. So this background information leads us to the four descriptions of the child that Isaiah gives us here in the second part of verse 6 in chapter 9. Number one, first description we see of Jesus, he is a wonderful counselor. What a great title for the Savior. He is not just a counselor, but he is a wonderful counselor. Jesus demonstrated great wisdom as a counselor while he was on the earth. He always knew what to say and when to reach out to a heart that was seeking after him and when to rebuke an impetuous soul. Those who saw him and observed his ministry remarked by saying things like, never has a man spoken the way that this man speaks. Jesus always gives the best advice. You know, I'm 51 years old and never have I been disappointed by the advice I have found in the word of God or the words from Christ himself. 
I have not always followed the counsel of Scripture, but I have never been disappointed with the wisdom that is found in God's Word, because the counsel that is found there is wonderful counsel. I've never had to say, Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand me and my need. Friends, we do not have a Savior who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. We serve a risen Savior, hallelujah, who was, a, who was acquainted with sorrows and grief, one who was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. He does understand my sorrows. He is acquainted with all my trials. He knows my need before I even ask him. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Do you want godly counsel? Do you want good counsel as we approach another year, 2022? Do you want wisdom that will lead to righteousness and godly choices? Then turn to the Word of God that contains the very words of life. Turn to the wonderful Counselor who has the words of life. Friend, He knows everything about you. He knows your needs before you even ask Him in prayer. He is acquainted with all your ways. He even knows the very number of hairs on your head. Why turn to anyone else? Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Number two, we see that he is mighty God. Isaiah prophesies that the one who would be great wisdom would also have great strength. Here, Isaiah portrays the coming one as a mighty warrior who goes out to battle, one who will be victorious for his people over the enemies of God. This is a term clearly applied to Yahweh in other places in the Old Testament, Yahweh being the covenant-keeping name of the Lord. Deuteronomy 10 verse 17 says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. In Jesus the Savior, we have a sovereign master who is not dependent on the wisdom of this world. He is God. He is strong. He is mighty. He is a great warrior who fights for his own and will ultimately give victory over their enemies. He is God, and because he is God, he can forgive sin. He can defeat, and he has defeated Satan, and he can liberate people from the power of of evil. Jesus can redeem them. He can protect them. He can answer their prayers. He can restore their broken souls, and he can reign over their rebuilt lives. Jesus is mighty. The baby in the manger is no ordinary baby. He is the wonderful counselor, and he is the mighty God. Thirdly, the third description here that we see from Isaiah, we see that he is eternal father. Literally, this means the father of eternity. Again, we see here that Jesus is God, and, and we know this, that Jesus claimed to be God while he was on the earth. He was crucified, put to death in a brutal execution for claiming to be God, for claiming equality with God. 
After rising from the dead, we see of these many appearances that Jesus made to to the women and to his disciples, and we see him rising from the dead and appearing to one of his disciples named Thomas. And he invites Thomas to touch his hands inside and see that it really was the resurrected Christ. Well, when Thomas realized that this was indeed the risen Savior, that this was Jesus, his master and his Lord, he exclaimed, my Lord and my God. Wow. I love that. And you know what? Jesus did not rebuke him for this. He didn't say, hey, wait a second. No, 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 no. I'm just an ordinary man. I'm just another prophet in a long line of prophets. No, he did not rebuke him for this because Thomas was simply recognizing Jesus for who he really is. He is God. He is one with the Father. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And he is the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. In the Greek alphabet, alpha is the first letter, omega is the last, and he is saying, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm eternal. Jesus said in in the Gospel of John that before Abraham was, I am, declaring himself to be the Lord of the Old Testament and the one who has always existed. He is the everlasting father who had a plan for his children, an eternal plan, He is the author of everlasting life and happiness to his children. He is the father of a blessed eternity to them, and he is the father of the world to come. So in this verse that is plastered on Christmas cards that we send and receive, we see that Jesus is the wonderful counselor, Jesus is the mighty God, and Jesus is the everlasting father. Fourthly, we see that he is the prince of of peace. The Messiah, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, offers peace from God, from the Father, to all who are the recipients of his grace. He makes peace with God for those who surrender to him in faith. He brings the peace of God to those who walk with him. I don't know if you've noticed lately, I don't know if you've watched the news or observed what's going on in our world, but this world is full of chaos and confusion. There was peace, however, in eternity past, shared by the Holy Trinity. There was peace in the six days of creation. There was peace in the creation of the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve. But that peace was interrupted when Adam sinned, and there has not been peace in the world since. Wars and rumors of wars have characterized the last 2,000 years. You see, we are not born at peace with God. We come into this world at odds with God. We are sinful from birth, born with original sin. We see that from Psalm 51, that great Psalm of David, a psalm of repentance after he committed adultery with Bathsheba. In verse 5, he says, Surely I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We are born with sin, original sin, at odds with God. And before we come to know Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are not friends of God. 
but we, in fact, are his enemies. And therefore, we need reconciliation. We need a mediator. We need a peacemaker. And so when we read the Christmas story, if you did this yesterday or on Christmas Eve, Luke 2, we read those words, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men. Why would Isaiah call him the Prince of Peace? Why would the angels say these words in Luke about the baby Jesus? Why would these things be spoken when we are not at peace with God, when we have not experienced peace? Well, first of all, it declared the arrival of the only one who ultimately can bring lasting peace on earth. John Lennon wants us to give peace a chance, but only Jesus can bring the peace that we so desperately need, peace with a holy God. This is speaking of the future, and this will uh, occur when Jesus returns to establish his earthly kingdom. There will be peace on earth one day. Secondly, it is a proclamation that God's peace is available to men and women. Listen to Luke 2, verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You see, the world would like to tell you that God is pleased with everyone. Just live a good life. It will all work out. Everyone gets to go to heaven. And so that's why the world doesn't want to say Merry Christmas. They don't even want to say Happy Holidays, because if you look at the meaning behind that, you're saying Happy Holy Days. We see Christmas as a holy day. And so the pagan wants to say Season's Greetings, because we don't want to talk about a Christ who is the only way to heaven. But the truth is that God is not pleased with all men. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God is angry with the wicked every day. I always like to say here, I've never seen this verse on a bumper sticker, and I don't think I ever will. God is angry with the wicked every day. That's not fun to think about, but it's a reality. It is a truth. Psalm 5.5, again, another one. The Lord hates all who do iniquity. 1 Thessalonians 5.3, Paul says, while they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. Friends, we are in need of peace. Who are those with whom God is pleased, as it says in Luke 2.14? Well, those are the ones who have yielded their lives to the authority of his government, those who have placed faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone, those who have been covered with the blood and the righteousness of Christ. Only then can we truly know and experience the peace of God. Friends, we can only know peace when we know the Prince of Peace. Romans 5.1, I love the book of Romans. Paul there says a very familiar verse that we know, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that verse used to hang um, in, in our living room in my home growing up, and I would see it every day as I'd come out of my bedroom. And when I was younger, I didn't really understand it, but wow, how powerful. 
being justified by faith, being declared righteous through faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are comforting words during this Christmas season. Well, as I bring this time to a close, for those who are listening today to this radio program and to those who may be listening to this podcast, if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you do not have peace with God. You are at war with God. That's what the Bible says. You are not his friend, but instead you are his enemy. The Bible would say you are a child of wrath. But if you do know Christ today, you can know that Jesus is your wonderful counselor. He is mighty God to you. He is your everlasting father, and he is your prince of peace. If you do not know him today, you need him. And I would say you need him desperately. And so as you're listening, as you are contemplating this Christmas season, as you are about to embark in in yet another year, 2022, I would just ask you, will you trust him today? Will you recognize that Jesus is much more than just a baby in a manger that makes for a cute little setting in your home or something to drive by? And will you surrender to him as your Lord and your Savior? I pray that this would be the Christmas season that you place your faith in the one that Isaiah called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful to read these words from Isaiah the prophet. Lord, as he penned these words 700 years before the coming of Christ. Lord, he was a prophet just doing and writing and saying those things that you were calling him to say and to write. But Lord, he didn't really have a full understanding of everything that he was saying. Lord, it would not be revealed until Christ would come. But Lord, I'm thankful for his faith, for his trust in Yahweh, and telling us these truths about who the Messiah would be. And we thank you today that, Lord, you are our wonderful counselor. You are mighty God. You are the everlasting Father or the Father of eternity. And you are our Prince of Peace. Lord, may we love you even more, knowing who you are. And for those who don't know you, Lord, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And a wonderful uh, post-Christmas message from WVU FCA Director Campus Director Kirby Myers, thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank we've you. Got, uh, we've got a couple minutes left here. And, um, again, we talked at the beginning about how important Christmas is, obviously, for really most people, if not uh, all people, certainly, of the of the Christian faith. And the the it, it's the gospel message that is obviously the most important. The, the, the trappings are nice, the trees and the presents and the food and, and all of that that goes with it. And and that's all fine, and we all enjoy that as well. But again, getting the gospel message, the fact that Jesus came to earth, you know, God in a human form, which it's too much for us to comprehend, <laughs> yeah, really. Right. But it happened, and that's what we celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jesus coming and um, not, not remaining a baby in the manger. You know, I think everyone thinks that's really cute, and we love the nativity sets, and we, we go to live nativities that churches have, and those are all mm-hmm. fun, but Jesus would grow up. 
And he was born to die that we might live. And that's something we really need to think through. Yeah, that's another thing that's too much for our feeble minds to comprehend, the fact that, that he was sent to this earth by his father to die for yeah, our sins. Right. For a reason, for the reason. It's, it's incredible to think about. But that's, uh, that's, that's the importance of, of the season. And uh, once Easter comes along and uh, we talk about uh, the crucifixion and the, and the act of, of, of dying for our sins, it, it's, they're both incredible stories. But again, as a Christian, these are things that, uh, that you guard in your heart 365 days a Yes, year. absolutely. All right, very good. Kirby Myers with us, WVU FCA campus director, and you can uh, learn more about their organization. Uh, right now, go to the website, wvufca.org, to, uh, to learn more and contribute. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for joining us. This is Sharing the Victory on WAJR for this Sunday morning.